podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You join us here inside Darren's house. What? Where'd you come from? Get out! Darren is about to play the Sunday Million prize draw on the NFL with Paddy Parr Fantasy. Sophie, it's that bloke from Paddy Parr. He's got in the arse again. It's just £9 to enter a competition that has £1.8 million in prizes to be won and £300,000 for the winner. Listen, mate, get out of here before I... Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team. Last entry by 6pm Sunday. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Get out! Don't you dare read those terms and conditions. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18 plus, Right, I'm calling the police. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coom Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with us, gang, as we get into week 11. We look back at Thursday night football. Miles Garrett kicking off and surely getting a lengthy ban for his on-the-field shenanigans. But another win for the Cleveland Browns. Are they somehow improbably going to run the table and make the playoffs? What about the Steelers dropping to 5-5? Five and five? What about their playoff hopes as a result of that defeat? Well, guess what? Paul Nicholson, great, great darts player, one of the best in the world over recent years, massive NFL fan. Nico and I have worked together a lot over the years. He's a big Steelers fan. Who'd have thunk that? It's like we fixed it. He is dropping by ESPN Tower shortly to get into that game. Uh, we'll talk about Kaepernick and we'll preview all the Week 11 matchups. Don't forget, our daily fantasy league rolls on this weekend. You can enter, free to enter, at the Paddy Power website, there's a big cash prize pool, so you can win cash prizes. Lots of you did last week, so get involved with it. Fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Show. You just pick players, 60 grand uh, budget, players from the 6 o'clock games. Put your team, pit them against other listeners, pit them against us, and you can win some cash prizes. Fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Show. Don't fear, we'll roll that out through our social media channels and you check the biog on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at the NC Show. You'll find the link to get involved before six o'clock on Sunday, right? Speaking of which, let's get straight in to the week 11 preview show with Paul Nicholson. Paul Nicholson, welcome to ESPN HQ. Thank you very much for having me. It's really good to be here. Now, you and I first worked together a couple of years back, I think. Uh, but oh, by that said, you already knew that we both loved the NFL and you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So it's like, it is like it is a line in the stars that you are in here today, Friday, right after the chaotic Thursday night football that we've just seen. Oh, well, what more can I say? I mean, I said to you just before we came on the air that nothing that happens this weekend is going to cheer me up because Thursday night football just disappointed on so many levels. But being a Steelers fan this year has been ups and downs, mm. uh, mostly ups the last four weeks. But yeah, we're definitely down today and we've, uh, we've got a little bit of time to recover, hopefully. Well, I want to get into that in a bit. I want to talk about whether you think the Steelers at 5-5 five and five still alive and kicking on paper particularly in a wide open AFC wildcard race can can make the playoffs but we've got to start with the game itself and in particular what happened in the the dying embers of the game which was pretty unpalatable to watch that uh, trying to get sanctimonious about this but Miles Garrett lost it he lost his head and uh for those of you who haven't seen at the end of the game uh Garrett got involved with Mason Rudolph uh swung a helmet at Rudolph, which hit him. Some of the Steelers got involved. I think it was Pouncey and DeCastro, right? And Pouncey in particular then piled in uh, to Miles Garrett. So it was all quite uh, unpleasant to watch. But if you look at the footage beforehand, and this isn't condoning what Miles Garrett did at all, right? But you look at the footage beforehand, Mason Rudolph instigated the altercation, didn't he? So he's not entirely free from blame here either. No, he's not. Uh, I've been looking at the footage a lot this morning and... I'm not really surprised that it was instigated by Mason Rudolph, quite frankly. And as a Steelers fan, I wanted to come onto the show today and not 
cast Miles Garrett out. He's he's not that kind of guy usually. He's a great great player. Um, it's just unfortunate that he's at the Browns really. But his actions were instigated by our Mason Rudolph, and the reason why Mason Rudolph was so. Uh, you know the way he was mm. was because he had such a terrible game. Mm. Let's not cast any anything over it. The guy has been unacceptable uh, through the last three weeks. So four picks for for Rudolph. It was the, the defense dictated the win for the Browns. That's not to take away from the offense. Nick Chubb in particular once again carrying stuff and Baker made some plays. He wasn't uh, where they want him to be, but he certainly wasn't where he has been for a lot of this season. But it was the defense that that took care of business. Uh, how disappointed were you? And look, James Connor went out, Juju Smith-Schuster went out, so Rudolph's hands were tied. He had a very limited deck to, to play with. But how disappointed were you with losing this game with the Steelers' season right in the balance and the, and the offense performing so badly? Really disappointed with the way that uh, the team responded offensively uh, to the challenge of what happened when they were 14-0 down. I mean, I've got to pay a lot of respect to Baker Mayfield with that, that fake on the second touchdown, which mm. was a, a worldie. Uh, it really sold our defence like a kipper. But going forward, I thought that this would be a close game like it usually is with Steelers matches. But there were certain aspects of this game that made me realise that our offence is really inept. Mm. And uh, particularly when we were seven points behind and that pick that uh, was thrown by Rudolph to... James Washington, mm-hmm. who he constantly looks for. I know he's a former college teammate of his, and he's everybody's got to have their go-to targets. Sure, but he's been neglecting Juju a lot in the last few weeks, whether uh, Juju's been double covered or not. Mm. And he automatically looks for Washington. He did on this particular down, and he's thrown to this guy low across the middle mm. and a double coverage it was a suicide pass mm. and it just goes to show that Rudolph for me is not the guy to be leading our offense right now okay we'll get into that in a, in a bit just a final note on the Browns who improved to four and six with this win now Garrett is going to be suspended there's no doubt about that there's talk of four games maybe longer that he could be out for as well expect Pouncey I reckon to get get a ban as well but Garrett's going to bear the brunt of it you would you would imagine mm. so that is going to affect what I'm about to ask next they could still make the playoffs mathematically. If you check out, uh, go to ESPN.co.uk, there is a playoff simulator. You start to work out which teams might make the playoffs and final records and, and, and calculate that. Mathematically, they could. There's only one other team that's done it in the modern era since 1970 to go two and six and then make the playoffs. And that was the Bengals, I think. Uh, speaking of which, the Browns have the Bengals twice. Uh, they have the Dolphins. They have the Cardinals. The Steelers, again, at Heinz Field. That is going to be yeah. uh, pretty tasty. And the Ravens. So the Ravens is the one that optimistic Browns fans will think, well, we could probably win all of the others, but the Ravens is going to be a tall order. It's not even in week 17 where you might think the Ravens could be resting a lot of their starters. Week 16, I believe. So it it occurred to me that two very Brownsian things could happen. They could run the table apart from one game, but beat the Ravens and lose one of those games to the Bengals or they run the table they get to 10 and 6 and they still don't make the playoffs either of those things could also happen of course yeah anything can happen in the ASA North and as far as the Steelers are concerned they've got a a pretty decent run in but there's a couple of teams in there who are going to cause us major, major problems one is Baltimore let's get so let's get into that are the forget the Browns are the Steelers going to make the playoffs can the Steelers at 5 and 5 still make the playoffs they can but I don't think they will uh, for two reasons one I think their confidence is going to be completely sapped after this defeat to the Browns and what's more we've got 
really serious injuries in, in key positions. Our, our defence this year has been exceptional. Mm. I think um, you know, I'm such a huge fan of Bud Dupree. I think he's a fabulous, fabulous player. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick coming in has been unbelievable. Deal of the, se- deal of the decade, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's got to be up there. And it won't be a surprise to Bama fans, to Dolphins fans. And you're looking at one, uh, certainly how good a player he is. We knew about his versatility and about his playmaking ability, but he has been exceptionally good for the Steelers. Yeah, he's been brilliant. And we've always looked to replace two players from our previous great days. One was Troy Polamalu mm. and one was Heath Miller. We haven't replaced Heath Miller right. and we've suffered because of that. But we have now got a guy legitimately in that slot that can fill the boots of Troy Polamalu. And that will help Devin Bush as well yep. as a rookie. Uh, he can learn from Minka Fitzpatrick. And that uh, secondary can get better because it has been very slack the last few seasons. That's where we've lost a lot of games. But, but you're winning a lot of games defensively now. And it's understandable why. Like, when you're losing Roethlisberger, you, Mason Rudolph you're not a fan of. No. You've had injuries. James Connor, Juju's now in concussion protocol. So... You've had a very loaded deck in that respect. But at 500, you look at your running, what are we thinking? 10 and 6 to be safe for it for a while? But even then, it may, it may not be as clear-cut as that with so many teams bunched around. You've got a reasonably straight, well, as straightforward as it can get in the NFL. Compared to other teams, you've got a reasonably positive running. Can yeah. you still make the playoffs, do you think? We can, but I'm feeling very negative this morning about uh, our chances. I think the, the defence has got to have a really solid few weeks from here and continue what they've done but I think Mike Tomlin has got to really speak to this offence and he's got to say right you guys have got to step up you've got to make some players now if they're not making players then we are going to get drugged by other defences we go to somewhere like Baltimore we're going to get absolutely slammed if we don't uh, take the catches if we don't run the football and I was saying to you earlier on now that when Devlin Hodges came in yeah uh, you know when uh, Mason went into uh, concussion protocol himself we actually looked like the Steelers for the first time in such a long time it's almost like Duck came in and said why don't we play some Steeler football we went over to Los Angeles and played a Steelers game and I was loving it it was close it was it was smart football and uh, if you look at the uh, Twitter pages out there of Steelers fans they are crying for him to be put back into the side do you think the majority of Steelers fans would rather see him start the rest of the season than than Mason Rudolph yes absolutely I think Rudolph is making too many mistakes he's throwing too many picks and he doesn't look sure when he's uh, out of the gun as well do you think he might Tomlin that is might make a change after the Browns performance I think he might I think bringing someone like Devlin Hodges back into the lineup just to refresh things and, and say, you know, why don't we go back to what we did in LA? Mm. I think that might be the right thing to do going forward. And yes, Mason Rudolph was given the helmet when Ben went out uh, with his elbow at the beginning of the season. It was the right thing to do at the time, but the right thing to do right now is to give it to Devlin. How good a season is Mike Tomlin having when you consider that when Roethlisberger went down and it looked like much as everybody was saying with Jacksonville when Foles went down, well, that's the end of the season then. Not only have the Steelers rallied, we're having this conversation now in week 11. Can the Steelers make the playoffs, which is improbable given what was happening and what was being discussed in the early phases of the season. How much of that is down to Mike Tomlin? How much credit should Mike Tomlin be getting? And indeed, if you do make the playoffs, is Mike Tomlin a potential candidate for coach of the year, given given what he's doing? Well, <laughs> we, we, if we're talking about that in a few weeks, I'll be, I'll be very happy, but I'm a huge fan of Tomlin. I think he's straight talking. I think he does a lot of things 
without a hot head I think he, yeah. he lets the dust settle then he makes smart decisions in the following days and one of the greatest things about the Steelers organisation is that they don't take things really quickly they just let things absorb and then from there they make smart decisions we don't have big turnover in coaching staff right. We believe in what we have, and Mike Tomlin is the right guy to coach the Steelers right now. I think he's done an amazing job after a really sketchy start, and really tough with Ben going out early because there was a lot of positivity with a fabulous uh, defense, and the the reaction of what's happened with you know putting Devlin in when Mason went out, and uh, you know the way he's um, worked with Butler about you know getting this defense as one of the best in the NFL. I think Tomlin deserves all the credit. If we're talking about coach of the year. Then, if he gets us to the playoffs, he probably deserves it, considering where we are right now. <laughs> Let's move on to another big story before we pick our, our week eleven games and look at some of the big matchups this weekend. Uh, we talked about it on Wednesday's pod, Mike and I. That is Colin Kaepernick. That's when the story broke uh, around about, uh, and it has developed since then. So the NFL announced earlier in the week that Kaepernick is doing a workout for as many teams of the 32 teams that want to send representatives uh, as possible 11 teams have signed up for this the workout is happening on Saturday at the time of recording this 11 teams have said we're going to send front office or coaching uh, personnel uh, to check it out uh, Arizona Atlanta Cleveland Denver, Detroit, Miami, New England, the Giants, the Jets, Tampa Bay, and Washington. So your Steelers haven't signed up yet. They've already committed to attend. We expect a few more, of course. It's probably going to be a snowball effect. Difficulty in terms of the, who exactly from the organization can attend. Obviously, the head coaches and, and any of the, any of the coaching staff, core coaching staff can't. Um, but front office uh, can, and there is talk that, uh, the, all these teams are sending representatives to, uh, this workout where, Kaepernick will be worked out. He will have interviews as well for all of those that want to sit down and talk to him. There are going to be receivers set up from the Atlanta area. That's where the uh, the workout is going to take place. Hugh Jackson, the former Cleveland Browns head coach, is going to coordinate things. So uh, the glare of the, the the media, the world's media, will be on this as well. So does this mean, Paul Nicholson, that Colin Kaepernick is going to play in the NFL again? I don't think that's um, anywhere close right now. I think it does depend on the skill set that he can show in his workout. I don't think there's any uh, disputing the fact that Kaepernick was a very special athlete when he came in as a, as a second-string quarterback at San Francisco and he showed a very exciting brand of quarterback. And that run to the Super Bowl was no accident. He's a fabulously mobile athlete. Um, but ultimately, the, the politics took over, didn't it? And... Uh, since then we don't know what kind of athlete Colin Kaepernick is he says his people say he's been keeping in shape he is as fit as he's ever been uh, certainly in terms of conditioning he is gonna say that tell that story of course, of course there's a fundamental difference keeping fit and being in the game he'll probably be the first to to admit that and to recognize that and if he does come back to the game it would be a significant leap of faith for teams in the same way, not dissimilar to when a head coach is out of the game for a long time. And you think, well, are they too distanced from the game to come to come back in uh, and make a difference? But Kaepernick is a young man. He uh, is, by all accounts, keeping his edge on in that respect. Do you think this is one big PR stunt? Or do you think there's a little bit more substance to it than maybe... Uh, could meet the, the cynical eye at first. I think it's 90% publicity stunt, but I think 10% of this, and we have to not ignore this 10%, is the fact that he could come back and he could make a difference. Now, we didn't know a lot about Kaepernick when he first came into his big run with the San Francisco 49ers. So what's to say that 
his story is not going to be told and have another chapter. Mm. I, I'm, I'm not going to bat against this guy because if he... I mean, he said that he was keeping himself fit, he's in the best shape he's ever been. Well, he's bound to say that, isn't he? He's not going to say that he's a dud. So Just coming back at bars, having a few... No, fair enough. But I guess also the evolution, uh, certainly the progression of NFL offenses, even in the last two to three years, and the quarterbacks that are particularly succeeding at the moment, that probably plays into to Kaepernick's hands a little bit in terms Definitely. of the skill set he has as a quarterback. That you look at whether it's Watson, whether it's Jackson, mm. you know, you look at the running skills of Josh Allen, forget his limitations in the air. The way that ever the, and so many other examples, the way that offenses are evolving definitely, I think, plays to his strengths, doesn't it? Definitely. I think when he started upping the stats on, on rushing yards for a quarterback, everybody started taking notice about, you know, you can change your brand of football based on what kind of quarterback you have. You look at the kind of quarterbacks that Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger are there sitting in the pocket kind of guys finding the right solution not the most mobile no but then you look at someone like Russell uh, Wilson at Seattle and what he's changed right. at Seattle and, and how they bulldoze their way to a Super Bowl and Kaepernick is part of this generation of quarterbacks mm. if he's in great shape and he still has the eye and the speed there's probably a team out there who are going to take a chance on him and if you remove all of the political stuff and he's still a good enough athlete then there are teams out there who have got this need Mike Carson made the point on our podcast on Wednesday which I thought was a really salient one that it could be a combination of things yes a PR stunt there's certainly positive PR value for the NFL to be seen given what's happened over the last few years to be involved in something like this but it could also have a very constructive end result for for Kaepernick Mm. furthermore he went as far as to say this is perhaps a statement by the NFL to say, irrespective of whether you believe there has been collusion or otherwise, we are now drawing a line under what has happened in the last few years, and Colin Kaepernick is on the market with our blessing. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think there are other players out in the sort of cloud nine of football who are great athletes still, who will probably look at the situation and think, well, maybe if it works out for Kaepernick, Maybe it could work for me too. Mm. It's not not for the same reasons, of course. But if you look at someone like Antonio Brown, who's been in the headlines for the wrong reasons mm. this year, if you were to put him out there, and I think there are people who would want him as an athlete to play for their football team. And that's the most important thing for me right now, in my opinion. Kaepernick, if he's good enough, then there will be a team out there who will take him. And are they willing to take on the, say, political baggage, maybe, that comes with Kaepernick? Well, if you've got the right coach who's going to use him the right way and the right offensive coordinator, then I think if he's the right athlete for that team, that he could be a real success story. This could be a game... He, he could be the game changer of the last 20 years right. based on how he plays and what he's gone through. So I think you're right. I think the NFL want to draw a line under this and then they want to move on. And with anything of this magnitude, sometimes you have to draw a line under it and just move on to what everybody wants, and that's football. You look at the rosters around at the moment... Not specifically the starters, although a Kaepernick will say he feels that he can start in the NFL. But you look at the rosters and the depth chart, the backup quarterbacks, quarter, uh, teams that carry three quarterbacks. There is no argument, is there, that Kaepernick, in terms of quality alone, deserves a spot on a roster. I think absolutely right. You look at uh, what's happening in my team. You know, we've got uh, Ben Roethlisberger in a sling on the sidelines. And you've got a second string quarterback that I wouldn't toss into the Cincinnati Bengals um, no disrespect to anybody who's a Bengals fan but Hodges is our third string and he's decent yeah. I reckon if Mike Tomlin said to you know the Steelers organisation I can manage this guy 
and he brought his brand of football it would be exciting mm. if he was to come through this workout and he has the confidence and a, and a coach has the confidence to take him on I have no doubt that Kaepernick would fit in somewhere that would give him the freedom in the backfield to say you know what why don't you go out there and prove to us that you can still do it mm. there may be a team at the early part of next year who haven't got a great deal of talent on their roster who's saying he's worth the gamble I, I think he may just play NFL uh, next season Alright, let's get into our Week 11 picks. Starting with the big E, the big game of the weekend, no doubt about it. Texans, Ravens, Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson. These are two MVP candidates, electrifying performers to boot, two of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL right now, two playoff bound teams. Before we started recording, I said I had a stat for you that blew my, my tiny mind and might blow yours as well. And I held it, so I saved it for the show. So check this out. In terms of average yards per game, 301.2 for Deshaun Watson, 304.2 for Lamar Jackson. 18 passing touchdowns for Deshaun Watson and five rushing touchdowns. 15 and six for Lamar Jackson. Passer rating 107.1 for Deshaun Watson, 101.7 for Lamar Jackson. They are neck and neck on virtually every statistic. Yeah. And outside, moving outside of statistics to the intangibles, they are significant game changes for their teams which isn't always a given of course you can have a very prolific and productive player that doesn't have that X factor that you can change a game and these are two players that can absolutely turn a game on its head with one play I think these guys are game changers they're, they're blueprint guys for now football I think this is the kind of quarterback that people are searching for uh, I think the Ravens, who it, it's really hard for me to talk about this because being a Steelers fan, <laughs> I can fan, feel that. I can see yeah, it. <laughs> it's distension. But uh, when it comes to Baltimore right now, you've got to respect them. Mm. And the way that uh, the Ravens sent Joe Flacco away and gave Lamar the chance, yep. boys, he taken it with both hands. He has changed the entire attitude of that offense. Because uh, let's face it, uh, the Ravens were predominantly a defensive team mm. and they had a half-decent offence yeah. but they, they won games with brilliant defence and they've been like that for years and years right I mean yeah. since the you know the early noughties right that is what you know the Ray Lewis Ed Reed Super Bowl winning teams and they've you know T-Suggs the kind of next generation of the crossover that's what they've always been based on yeah but I think they're they're brave enough to have this uh, move on culture of mm. I think what is the next generation of Baltimore football and they've recognised that uh, you know, changing from Flacco to Jackson was the right call. They've gone all legs in one basket, and boy, has it paid off. He is a solid guy. He's a game changer. But I think not just making plays like the stuff he did against New England, but he's he's doing stuff without mistakes. Mm. He's making very little in the way of mistakes. Both of them are very good. Both of them, the ones that I had admitted, actually, only five interceptions for each player as well. So That's they're incredible. both protecting the ball very, very carefully. I'd apply all of that. Uh, and more to well not and more that's a nonsensical thing to say but I'd apply all of that to Deshaun Watson in so far as he is uh, I think changed the dynamic of this this Houston side he is just marvelling from a couple of weeks back at Wembley I mean he absolutely bossed that game he yeah. was unstoppable the Jags the front seven were doing everything they were being asked to do. They, Calais Campbell at least twice had his arms wrapped around him and somehow Deshaun Watson was breaking away from a tackle from Calais Campbell and still completing a pass. The week before he completed a pass when he was kicked in the eye and he couldn't see his receiver. I mean, this guy is phenomenal. So here's a question for you, Nico. You're starting a franchise today. Mm -hmm. You are 
the front office GM head honcho who are you going with oh on the spot stuff uh, first one that comes to mind is Jackson because mm. he's just so quick and he's got great ball security as well which I think they're two words that everybody's uttering right now mm. because there's just so many fumbles going on in the league he's got great ball security when he really goes for it so I'd probably go with him right now He's he reminds me a, a bit of um, uh, Cam Newton when yep. he was really going for it and that, that uh, NFC championship the MVP season yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. He, he just reminds me a lot of him especially when you know the picture circulates of him with the sunglasses on the sideline yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got that little bit of arrogance but mm. not too much maybe not at Cam Newton level because I'm not sure that anybody has but but you I mean to be you there are parallels with you and Cam Newton certainly in terms of your wardrobe oh I, I wouldn't go that come far. on you are the, surely the darts equivalent of Cam Newton in terms of sartorial elegance oh I, flamboyance I'm no Peter Wright no, he's, he's, he's definitely <laughs> no, out there just, maybe, that, maybe that is more of a, a, a close call uh, so okay in terms of Sunday's game the Texans of course coming uh, off a bye after uh, Wembley week so that's something to bear in mind here keep an eye on their injury report as well uh, because both Will Fuller and Laramie Tunsil key players in different reasons in uh, the offence uh, are questionable. There's talk from the Texas camp they should both start, and certainly Tunsil fundamental there because of the improvement of the Texans line, which has been their Achilles heel, mm. certainly in the Deshaun Watson era, even going into this season, the start of the season, the early weeks, that line was porous, but it's got better and stronger, and that's going to obviously be a key battle if they can protect uh, Deshaun Watson is one thing, but it's also the ground game they've established as well um, if you look at the Houston run game fourth in the NFL on the ground it was something uh, that Harbaugh picked out and, and celebrated so it isn't just about the pass protection here it's also about establishing the ground game that we saw so effectively against the Jags a couple of weeks ago yeah they've got a, a really good culture at Baltimore of blocking the run game but it's about how they step up this week I think the Ravens look at this game as almost like a, a mini playoff game it's uh, it's a really good preparation for them to see how they're going to perform in the mm. playoffs. Because let's face it, they are going to win the AFC North. No one's going to catch them. And are they a genuine playoff team? We've seen other people who have had fantastic regular seasons, but when it came to the playoffs, they absolutely disintegrated. And yes, mm. I'm going to use the Cincinnati Bengals again. Sure. Because they couldn't win in the playoffs yeah. um, if they were given a 50-point head start. That's the way it works. <laughs> probably would win if they were given a 50-point <laughs> head start. I say probably. But I think if, if Harbour was to say to his, um, his locker room this week, this is an audition to see how we can do genuinely this season to get the Lombardi. Mm. And I think the Ravens are going to be up for this. I think the, the win against New England has just shown us that they are for real. I think you can apply all of that to the Texans. Now, I think probably at the moment, given, as you say, the, the win against the Patriots in, in particular, and I guess looking at the injury concerns... Uh, that the ones I've identified short term, but then the long term injury with no JJ Watt, which is which is obviously fundamental, right? When you have a a generational talent like him out, they the Texans are going to feel that they are in the hunt. Certainly, they will. I would be astonished if they didn't make the playoffs, but in the hunt for a deep playoff run. But at the moment, they're probably in that chasing pack behind the Ravens, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. They're probably the top three in the AFC, and I yeah. think the Texans are in the next, the, towards the top of the next group. But I think they're going to have the same mindset going into this. I think yeah. if you're going to be a team that's going to topple or represent in the championship, that, and you're not the Patriots or the Chiefs, who, uh, uh, despite their flaws this season, are still uh, it, you know the top two uh, power rankings, I think this is a really good statement 
win for them if they can take down the Ravens. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But the, the Texans are pretty used to not having JJ the last few seasons sure. because he's had so many injuries. Sure. So they've they've learned to adapt uh, their defense because of the lack of um, of uh, TJ's big brother. Yes. So for me, <laughs> that's hard for me to say that considering how good TJ is. Yeah. But I, th- I think the Texans will have the same mindset. I think. Everybody who it doesn't matter who you follow in the NFL, I think everybody's got an eye on this game mm. because it could happen again at some point. Yeah, and whoever comes out on this one, because the Ravens will be favourite being uh, in Baltimore. Yep. I think if the Texans can get a win here, that'll be the equivalent of what the Ravens did at New England. Absolutely right. So I couldn't agree more. Think other bats to keep an eye on briefly on this one. You look at the Baltimore ground game as well. I mean, I was highlighting the Texans ground game. Baltimore, the only team that have got two players with over 600 rushing yards and six touchdowns this season. One of them is their quarterback and of course, Mark Ingram. So a, a real tag team punch on the ground there as well. So a lot will get sorted out as it always is in the trenches. And if one of these teams can hold firm and prevent the ground game being established by the other team, yeah. it is going to, I think, not just be significant, but determine the course of this game. Yeah, absolutely right. I think that there's going to be small margins in this. I think the, the Ravens crowd is going to be very, very loud for this one. Mm. They're going to almost treat this like a Steelers game because the, uh, the rest of the FC North are gone. They're going to look at who, who have we got to really step up against now. And, and this game is just tailor-made for probably game of the season yeah. I think small margins it could come down to one mistake by somebody and whatever uh, part of the field one fumble one pick could determine this but I, I'm just really looking forward to watching it which I, way are you picking I'm going to go Ravens by three Ravens by three I, I like that like Nico's bringing in Harry look at this he's bringing in points as well yeah I think by three I think it'll probably come down to the last kick wowzers I've been up my game here I haven't <laughs> okay no, I'm not thinking about spreads here I think here we go. I think I've been backwards and forwards on this game all week. I think Houston get the road win. On the basis that Tunsil starts, can I have a little asterisk there? On the basis their line is, offensive line is fit, I think that's very fair. I think the Texans sneak it on the road. That could come back to haunt me that big. Controversial. Yeah, there we go. All right. We're just waiting for Ravens fans to hit me up on Twitter. Um, all right. On to the Saints Bucks. Which has high scoring, free wheeling craziness written all over it, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> so when does it, when does the Saints game not? Well, yeah, look high at last, scoring. last week, right? It's maybe the, a great example there, because everyone thought the Saints Falcons would be, well, it was a question of, this will be over 50 points if the Falcons can get their offense going. Uh, it turns out they could get their offense going, and the Saints absolutely could. An extraordinary game, really, and I'm not using that description lightly. This is, in terms of the Sean Payton Drew Brees era, one of the, most baffling performances I've ever seen from from a Saints offense. They didn't score a touchdown. They were utterly perplexed. They didn't establish any kind of ground game. They didn't even seem to try to establish a ground game. And this is against an Atlanta Falcons side that at the time was, well, still is, I think, one of the worst in the NFL. They've they've gone up in stock since that win. But it's not as if they the Saints were blown out of the water by the Ravens by the Patriots by a contender it's by one of the teams that are in junk time mode at the moment so what on earth went wrong uh, I really don't know and in sports sometimes you wake up and you feel invincible but mm. it just doesn't happen and that, that's in any sport you could look at some guys who you know were really really hot and then all of a sudden nothing happens Look at someone like Cooper Cup, for instance. Uh, we have to bring in my fantasy team, of course. <laughs> is, uh, you will find out when I uh, hook up with the OG for our fantasy show tomorrow. He will rub my nose in. Yeah, he goes. He goes a game over two hundred yards, 
to a game where he gets nothing. Zero. And it's it's not through ineptitude. Sometimes it's just because it doesn't happen and you have to adapt. And that's the beautiful thing about NFL. It's the fact that it's not just about your big guys like, you know, Jackson and, and Ingram, like we've already mentioned, or Roethlisberger and Heinz Ward back in the day. Sometimes it's about someone stepping up and doing something that you think, oh, okay, so he can play too. It's different for you though, right? So just looking at you for a minute in terms of your, your career, because you're in a 1v1, in, in a 1v1 environment, it is a little bit different, I guess, but you must have had that, right? Where you've been, yeah, I guess even within a tournament playing lights out and thinking, this is my tournament, I've got this, and yep. then rocking up on stage and your game completely deserts you. Yeah, that happened to me at last year's World Darts Championship with Ali Pali. I felt so ready when I was backstage. I went up there and I couldn't have hit a barn door with a hedgehog. Yeah. It was just one of those times, but there were other uh, moments where I was in the practice room and getting genuine anxiety because I was practicing so poorly. Right. And then you go on stage. It's like Kevin Costner in Tin Cup. Pretty much. <laughs> and you get that burst of adrenaline when you grace the stage or grace the field in this yeah. case. And you just think, that's exactly what I needed. Mm. That little jolt of adrenaline was enough to make everything okay. But sometimes with veterans in team sports, they're so used to those bursts of adrenaline that they just can't get it from anywhere and it just mm. doesn't happen. Uh, sport is a funny thing and it's so unpredictable and that's why we love it. If it was predictable, it wouldn't be fun. Well, precisely. And it's going to be a hard one to call this. I mean, I do think it will be a shootout. I think that the Saints will come back and you just got to bear in mind that the stats we're talking about here with Tampa Bay, who are an eminently watchable side because they put up a lot of points. They're in the, where are they? Third in the NFL right now, averaging almost 29 points a game. Uh, but they're dead last in terms of points conceded. So you can be pretty sure that there are going to be points on the ball when the Bucks play. And I think the Saints are not going to have back-to-back weeks where they struggle to the degree that they did. Sean Payton is too good a head coach to allow that to happen. So I think this is going to be a shootout. The question is, can the Bucks keep up the pace with the Saints, do you think? Uh, well, it is in Tampa Bay, this game. So you've got to give them uh, a fighting chance. But for me, the Saints are just so much more consistent mm. than the books are and how can you bat against Peyton and Drew Brees I mean Drew Brees is a living legend and he's he's chasing stats records and all this kind of stuff as well he's he's not single minded Drew Brees he is team motivated and the clock is ticking on his career mm. he wants that second ring and I think if he's going to get it he may have to do it in the next sort of just over a year There is a, it feels like there's a window there a, a couple of things on this. I mentioned that the Saints couldn't establish their running game last week against Atlanta. Alvin Kamara in particular, absent again. No scrimmage touchdowns in four straight games. That's the yeah. longest streak of, of his career. Let's keep an eye on that. And this is a decent Tampa Bay, a relatively decent Tampa Bay run D, right? They're pretty much the only team that's kept McCaffrey in check this season, right? So the other thing that we've got to keep an eye on is Marshawn Lattimore. Now, that was quite a significant part of the game last week when Lattimore went out. I think that really tipped the balance. And remember, this is a game that you've got Godwin and Evans, two absolute beasts playing against this Saints secondary. Lattimore, it was a hammy, so he didn't practice on Wednesday. He is a touch-and-go start, I think, as well. Um, and the other injury report I noticed for this game, Andres Pete, uh, who's a pro bowler, of course, uh, he broke his arm in the game against the Falcons, so he won't be playing on Sunday out for an extended period of time. So that line will be a little bit affected as well, going back to that establishing the ground game Kamara situation. So lots of positives for Tampa Bay here 
But in the end, I think Atlanta, I think New Orleans, New Orleans are going to be too strong for them. In a thriller, in a shootout, I'm taking the Saints. Well, if you look at some of the shootouts that New Orleans have had over the last two or three seasons, they seem to come out on top on more of those kind of games than they lose. Right. I think they know how to get it done in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's about the, the kahunas that uh, Drew Brees has. That's yeah. why they get over the line more often than not. And what we said earlier about people stepping up, when people are getting injured and, you know, broken arms and, and ACLs and these kinds of things happen to people who've been playing constantly for the last 10 weeks, what you find now is that people are starting to be promoted and the coaches are saying to these players, now it's your time to show how Next good you are. Yeah. And if they want to play for their careers, they've got to perform right now. Yeah. And if they don't, they're going to go back to the practice squad, aren't they? Yeah, that's a very good point. Who are you picking? I'm not going to bat against Breeze. No. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Uh, if, if I could have taken him at Pittsburgh, oh, oh boy, uh, the sky was the limit. Yeah, but right. uh, yeah, I'm going to go Saints probably by seven to ten. Oh, here. again, Harry's dropping. A, he's dropping the dimes in terms of the point spread. I've got to up my game. All right, next up, interesting game. I think Broncos at Vikings. Interesting because some people think is this a is there a danger? This is a trap game for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins finally wins in prime time, finally gets the monkey off the back, but doesn't get the credit for it. It wasn't Kirk Cousins that won the game for the Vikings against Dallas. It was lots of other areas of the field. Dalvin Cook had his back again. The defense had his back again. Yada, yada, yada. So Kirk Cousins, just want to throw something at you. In the last six games, Nico, he has completed around 72% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, just one pick. His passer rating, almost 125 yeah, nobody's buying Kirk Cousins. I think the Vikings and Kirk Cousins in particular. See how my voice went squeaky when I said that. And Kirk Cousins in particular. I think they are a sneaky deep run pick, and I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Vikings are in the Super Bowl this season and Kirk Cousins and the opinion of Kirk Cousins is completely revised. This idea that he can't win a big game just because he hasn't so far with quite limited career opportunities. I think is nonsense. I think Kirk Cousins could do something quite special this year. Agreed. You look at the stats that you just mentioned, and if you were to have him right next to you right now, he'd have a big grin on his face, because what he's doing right now is he's going under the radar. Yep. And people who do that genuinely do well. If yep. you look at someone, for instance, who had this reputation, and they're expected to lead their team to a Super Bowl, uh, someone like Joe Flacco after... Um, he took right. uh, um, Baltimore to a Super Bowl. He was expected to do it again. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing with Kirk Cousins. He's not expected to do this. And people are probably not picking him for fantasy teams and things like that because mm-hmm. they're expecting him to have a shocker. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not expecting to have a shocker right now because he's got this ghostly confidence that isn't really being seen until you see the stat sheet. So I think Minnesota are a fabulous mm. uh, franchise. I Balanced. Think they, they do really well. I think... When, when Bridgewater was, uh, was the quarterback there, yeah. there was a bit of uncertainty as to what was going to happen. I think getting rid of him and then actually getting Cousins in and saying, you know what, you're our number one guy, I want mm-hmm. you to run this team. I think uh, it showed uh, Kirk that we're going to give you a home. Yeah. And since then, he's actually just crept up and just got a little bit better yeah. every game. And he's starting to show it now. I yeah. think they're a fabulous outfit. I think they are the real deal, you know. And it's really... The penny's kind of dropped the cut last couple of weeks at reading these narratives again and again. And look, I get the parallels with, say, Romo, you know. But if you look at some of those... You know, Romo could never win a playoff game. You look at some of those 
you know, some of those situations, freakish fine lines, fine margins, and we could suddenly build this this narrative. And I appreciate sometimes that become, can become self-perpetuating, yeah. that it starts to play on your mind. And there is that talk that Kirk Cousins suffers from anxiety and people are joining the dots. And maybe there is a self-perpetuation here that if he's aware of this negative perception of him as a player that in the clutch situation freezes, panics, can't deliver can beat up the mediocre teams on a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke, but uh, but can't do it in prime time. Maybe that will have, even it didn't actually exist, but will start to exist because everybody's telling him it exists. But I'm not buying it, and I'm buying Kirk Cousins. I think the Vikings are a serious proposition this season, yeah. and they win easily against the Broncos. Yeah, I think they do as well. I, th- I think the Broncos, there's just a bit too much uncertainty there right now for them to get this kind of road win. And we've got to mention the climate conditions, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what it was like in Green Bay last week. It's going to be very, very cold. I know that Minnesota have got that problem pretty much nutted with the new stadium, but mm-hmm. um, I just get the feeling that the Vikings are a much more confident outfit right now than the Broncos, and I cannot see any way that Denver get a result here. Did you say nutted? Nutted. First uh, use of nutted on the show this season, so <laughs> I'll give you a fist bump for that. Let's go to Patriots-Eagles. Interesting, intriguing game, of course. A resurgent Eagles now 5-4 and four off a bye week, as are the Patriots. Bill Belichick, the absolute master off a bye week. Surely, surely you can't put an argument forward to say that the Eagles win this, right? Even though they're at home, even though they are firing back into the playoff race in, in recent weeks, nobody backs against Belichick of a bye week, do they? I am not going to do that because uh, as much as I despise the Patriots, they are just a, a fabulous football team and, a, and an amazing franchise who makes smart choices. And for me right now, the, the Eagles are going to be the sacrificial lamb. I think this could be a close game, but I think it'll be down to solid play from the Patriots and grinding them down. I think it's a bit like putting the Eagles into a pestle and mortar and just you know, gradually just getting rid of them until they turn into a paste. And, <laughs> An eagle paste. Yeah. This is a Super Bowl 52 revenge game, of course. Well, so Bill Belichick's got a very good memory, hasn't he? Belichick does. Brady does. Brady's still wound up about the draft and falling down so far. I mean, I think that is something else you've got you to factor in. Um, injury-wise, you've got uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Jordan Howard limited in practice I think Jeffrey might have even missed practice so again let's keep a close eye when the inactives are released but they're going to need to be at full strength I think they're given this as the 22nd ranked offense currently in the NFL up against forget what happened against Baltimore the best defense uh, in the NFL right now yeah. uh, with, with the, the uh, forget what happened to Baltimore the best uh, defense in the NFL right now the Patriots offense will be more question marks do you think things are going to start to click, Sammy fits into the offense more. Uh, the ground game gets a bit more stability week in, week out. Or do you think you should be concerned, particularly with, with Brady's performance, which I feel like in recent seasons gets talked about at this stage almost every year, every week. Is he regressing? Yada, yada, yada. But based on what you've seen in the Patriots' offense, particularly in recent weeks, is there cause for concern here? I don't think so. I think sometimes you just have to adapt in-game mm. and figure out what's happening uh, with uh, you know what Brady's actually seeing because he's probably got a wider vision than anybody's ever seen uh, on a football field. Uh, I read a really interesting article about Tom Brady about two months ago about how he's changed his training as he's got older. Mm. And uh, I think he sh- is really showing the likes of uh, Lamar Jackson, the likes of Deshaun uh, 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 Watson as well. The fact that 
when you get older, you can, if you stay healthy and have a really good offensive line in front of you, of yeah. course, you can adapt the way that you play. And I think that's what Tom Brady's doing right now. He's not doing the exact same things he did you know, 10, 12 right. years ago. What he's doing now is trying to give himself one extra second mm-hmm. to try and make a smart choice. And he's not trying to be a Hollywood quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to be, well, what Colin Kaepernick was when he had that huge run with San Francisco. He's trying to do things almost just smart without any Hollywood factor. Yeah. And is he regressing? I don't think so. I think he's just adapting mm-hmm. to what he can actually do as a quarterback at his age right now. Really, really smart analysis. So who are you picking in this one? Well, I think the Patriots want that revenge, don't they? Mm. And Belichick is probably going to you know, say to his guys, get this one for the franchise and get us to 9-1. and one. I think they will. I do as well. I almost had them as my lock of the week, actually, the, the Patriots and the Eagles. Not quite, because my lock of the week is over 49.5 points uh, in that New Orleans game. I'm um, cool with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, but Pats... Uh, on the road, get the win. All right, let's rattle through the rest because time is against us, Nico. Jags at Colts. Jacoby Brissett, of course, uh, looks like he's going to be back for them on Sunday. Practice fully on Wednesday. Ty, not so much. He didn't practice. Could be a game time decision there, and that is, you know, a, a fundamental a negative if he doesn't start for them. The Jags have Nick Foles after the bye week back, starting at quarterback. So Minshew Mania over. For the time being, four and five, the Jags divisional matchup here. It is all to play for, despite the fact they capitulated at Wembley a couple of weeks back. Yeah, they did, but the bye week does come into play here, just allowing people to heal a little bit. Yeah, and it's four and five for Jags and five four for Colts. Now, I watched the Steelers against the Colts, and I was not impressed with them. Mm. I thought they were pretty pretty wooden. And I, I didn't think they were very quick. Was that did, was that the game Brissett went out of? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. And. Uh, Hoyer came in and yeah. he, was, he was all right, but for me, I, I just think the Jaguars are ready to rebound here, and I think they'll get the five and five. Interesting, going for the road win. I'm going to go for the road and win. Foles yeah. goes big. Yeah, I can't find this one really hard to call because it's hard to know how fit Brissett will be. Fit enough to start is different from you know playing to near enough full strength on the basis that most NFL players at any one time are not at a hundred percent. But is Jacoby Brissett going to be eighty five percent or is he going to be sixty five percent? And that for me is the key. So very hard to call. I like I like your angle actually. I like the Foles energy going in. The Jags are definitely a must win territory. I can see him getting a road win as well. I'll go with that. I'll go with the Jags road win too. Cowboys at the Lions. Give us a winner and a reason why. Ah. Uh... God, these are two frustrating teams, aren't they? You just never know what they're going to do. But it is probably going to be to help you out a bit on that Jeff Driscoll starting as opposed to Matt Stafford. So let's go along on the basis it's Driscoll, not Stafford. Okay, on that basis, then you probably have to go with a really close game here. Mm. I don't think there's going to be a great deal of points. I think it'll be uh, a couple of lackluster offences, really. Um, this one's a coin flip mm. um, and it could well be the edge of the coin it could be a draw <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean the Lions already tight. got one this season yeah, so they might right. get a second but uh, I'm going to I'm going to go for the Lions only just oh wow that could be the Cowboys season done and dust I was talking to a, a Dallas radio host on my on my radio show on Sunday who was saying that if they don't get to the NFC Championship game this season Garrett's gone that's what mm. that's what he said yeah, he, this is a guy who has Jerry Jones on his show right yep. so he's connected he was saying it is championship or bust and at 5 and 4 suddenly the Cowboys season's on its head I think as a result of that they get the win I think they're going to do enough to get to the playoffs and they have to win this I think to do that 
if uh, they make the NFC Championship game, it's an altogether different situation. Uh, Falcons, Panthers, Atlanta off the back of that big win we talked about against New Orleans, against Carolina, 5-4, and four, still very much in the playoff hunt uh, themselves, probably without Devontae Freeman, Atlanta, and Austin Hooper as well, I think is going to be out. Uh, I don't think as a result they're going to have enough firepower here for Carolina, which is a playmaking offense, and this Atlanta offense has been, a uh, defense I should say, and this Atlanta offense has been uh, erratic at best, so I can see the Panthers D stepping up and making some big plays in this one at home. And Kyle Allen, to me, despite the loss against Green Bay, looked really composed. I like Kyle Allen a lot. I go Carolina at home on this one. Yeah, I've got that one as well, and I think the Panthers are just going to be very grateful to be back in the southeast of the United States after <laughs> what sure. was horrendous conditions. But that that's Green Bay football, right? Yeah. So... I think the Panthers are just going to be happy that it's going to be an, an extra 10 degrees hotter. Mm. And I, I like it on, on the Kyle Allen point. I think he's been backed into a corner. He's got an almost impossible position to um, to replace Cam Newton. But I think he's done a very good job considering uh, what he's got in front of him. And when you've got Christian McCaffrey, you've mm. got every chance. He's got so much power and speed that I think a home win here is very likely. Love it. A Cardinals at 49ers. Does San Francisco bounce back on a short week after uh, their heartbreaking loss? Uh, to the Seahawks heartbreaking well maybe I don't know 49ers fans will be pragmatic about it and say you know what we don't care really about the unbeaten run it's actually takes that monkey off our back there's no pressure we might look at it that way but I suppose the manner of defeat when it, that game could have gone either way and it was to a divisional rival they're going to be bitter about it do they just shake that off and uh, breeze past the, the visiting Cardinals? Well, they've got to do a Taylor Swift, and they? they've got to shake it off. Nice, and Nico. For nice. me, I, I think that was just a fabulous game of football to watch, and sometimes you have to have those divisional rivalries come together and get a little bit of the upset, maybe, but I think the 49ers stance of they're not bothered about the undefeated run is the right one. Sometimes you learn more from defeat than you do from a victory, mm. so they can put the small things back into place and this week they will get the win for me over the Cardinals who are just too unpredictable what was your most heartbreaking loss playing oh uh, you look back now and it still winds you up like how did I lose that there were two of them one World Cup final when I was playing for Australia and I missed two two darts to actually win the World Cup what was the what was the dart Uh, one dart at double top and one dart at double ten the double ten I thought was in Mm. the double top was nowhere near (laughs) Uh, but there was another win one, I was 5-all in the final of the European Darts Trophy in Stuttgart, and I had three darts at double 12 to win the title. And I'd just beaten Michael Van Gerwen in the semi-final, oh. and I'd beaten everybody else as well that week. And uh, I lost to Wes Newton. And the amount of money that guy took out of my pocket, it was ridiculous. Uh, so you, you bet you sunk a few in the uh, beer halls of Stuttgart after that. Oh, I, I was too busy outside just crying into my hands. <laughs> Um, Bengals Raiders surely Raiders the question is by how many I think I can't see any argument for uh, the Bengals here and I think the Raiders make. Uh, by the way I think the Raiders make the playoffs they're 5-4 and four. I, I've just got a good feeling about them they've got that mojo going on I think they roll to 6-4 with an easy win here yeah again we were talking about uh, certain players going under the radar and I think Derek Carr's having a sneaky good season big time and uh, the Raiders have made some wise choices one of them was to cut Antonio Brown of course very very smart yeah, because we couldn't not, too. not an easy decision to do not at all to make um, yeah. and as, as far as the Bengals are concerned I think they know 
that they've got a serious rebuild coming uh, so they're making choices based on defeats and, and mistakes and it's defeats I expect you and mistakes the Bengals that, oh, I love seeing them get loving it. they're going to go to 0-10 uh, we're both picking Raiders there I'm, I'm guessing unless you want to oh no I'm going Raiders <laughs> no Bears Rams oh boy oh boy not the matchup we thought it would be of course at the start of the season this is uh, both teams in it would be overstating it to say disarray, but certainly nowhere near where they wanted to be in and really fighting for their lives. I think if either team loses this, uh, whichever team loses this, and let's just tie one of them's going to lose it, whichever team loses this, I think that is probably stick a fork in their season. Yeah, it's pretty much like the Jags Colts game, isn't it? Because they've got the same right. records and they flip it around exactly, between five yeah. and four, yeah, yeah. four and five. And I think you're absolutely right. At the beginning of the season, when you look at this game, you think, wow, this could be a real sort of prime time yeah. kind of game that you know could go either way. But for me, I think I think the Bears have got a real chance here. Yeah. Uh, I think their defense could flatten yeah. uh, the quarterback at the Rams because he is susceptible. And the line's in trouble, mm. and I, I, Gurley's just not there. I mean, we talked a lot about the Rams on the Wednesday show with Mike and have done a lot this season because they're a fascinating story. So I don't want to repeat too many of those points, but I'm with you, I think. And I'm a big Rams apologist, right? I love them. I love McVay. I think he's brilliant. And I do think Goff is better than many people suggest, although I accept he's in a funk at the moment. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I want the Rams, my heart says LA, and it is in LA, I'm gonna, I think they come good, I think McVeigh pulls out a game plan to do just enough because this Bears offense just isn't there either. Yeah, I, th- I think this is gonna be really tight, it comes down to the defenses for me, mm. between Mac and Donald, and, oh, I don't know, I just, I, I fancy Bears to sneak it. What, on that defensive point, just quickly, the Rams allowing 12.3 points per game, since week seven that's the fewest in the NFL mm. so bear that in mind against this Trubisky lane. bear it in mind nice ah, that's another fist bump <laughs> uh, finally we go to Mexico you ever played in Mexico uh, no oh, I think the closest take... I got to Mexico was Atlanta oh, okay alright yeah. well that's not too far uh, well the uh, Chiefs take the Chargers take on the Chargers in Mexico one of the international series games you've got the Mexico City factor of course, which, you know, an international location can be a leveler, as we've seen, and can disrupt things. The Chiefs are three and a half point favorites. So if you look at the Vegas rationale, three points is usually what you're given for home field advantage, right? So that is where I have a slight problem. The half point is often quite critical, the sharps tell me, but that's why I have a slight problem here that really are these teams even better, pretty much there or thereabouts is what that line tells me. They're not even at all. I know the Chiefs lost last week. They should have won the game. If their field goal unit hadn't imploded, they would have won that game yeah. against Tennessee. And Mahomes had a, had a fine game. He had 400 yards, three touchdowns. He looked his normal self. The Chargers, I know, have got their ground game going again and, uh, and uh, uh, certainly maybe better than their record suggests, but I don't see anything other than a, a, a straightforward Chiefs win here. I don't either because I think the Chiefs have uh, an elite level of performance in their offense. Yeah. If they turn up with their B game, they still win this for me. Yep. And if their defense can hold firm, like the Steelers did in Elliott against the Chargers, then the Chargers are there to be beaten. I think the fact that this is in Mexico is not going to face Kansas City whatsoever. I think when they go down there, they're just going to feel this is a great uh, place to play football. Mm. And Kansas have played a lot of international games in the last few seasons. Right. So they're used to this as a franchise. Uh, I think the Chargers are there to be hit. And I think the Chiefs need 
some sort of bolster after last week mm. and I, I think uh, I think they're ready for that I think the Chargers will look at the ground game because Melvin Gordon suddenly appeared again look at what Derek Henry did to the Chiefs and other running backs this season let's face it their run D is their Achilles heel have done to them this season and that's where the game I think will be won if they can really establish that and Gordon goes big and uh, and they can get that play action moving as well and Rivers can cause damage there maybe I see a chance but mm, I'm not buying it really Chiefs for me with the road win and there we are we've wrapped up week 11 with a number of games I'd like to point out to all listeners and indeed a nodding Harry the producer with point spreads as well so loving your work Nico uh, great to see you man thanks for dropping by anytime always a pleasure talking about it we have got to work out because me and you are doing the world championships together in, in January for, for telly and uh, so we talk a lot of NFL when we're hanging around doing that but of course there'll be playoff games going on at some points when we are technically on air and last year we we worked out are we going to get in trouble for saying this uh we worked out a way of um multitasking multi-screening <laughs> shall we shall we say new venue this year though we're going to be doing it from the o2 so we've got to work out an angle there we've got to make sure that we've worked it yeah we're going to i think maybe a, a recon trip checking out i think that sounds like a good idea working out where we can stash tablets yes yeah <laughs> i may have, may have to uh, get myself another tablet or bring uh, said laptop yes yeah yeah okay I'll, i will come tableted up for, <laughs> for the world championship uh it'll be great uh, to see you there hopefully we'll check in with you beforehand though and uh, let's Absolutely. see if your uh, prediction about the steelers uh, or indeed which way that playoff trajectory will go let's see how that plays out so we'll check in with you a little bit later on in the season if our listeners want to follow you on social media where are they heading uh, they go to the asset 180 on twitter and instagram is asset 180 without the, the. where did the asset come from it was uh, a little jibe from some of my old um you know guys used to travel with me on on the australian circuit yeah we used to have a, a darts team called the assassins and we went over to a tournament in new zealand and there was a, a guy over there called barry whitaker who was one of the best players in in nz and he said to me after a quarterfinal one day which was a, a qualifier for the Las Vegas Desert Classic that I was a hell of an asset to the game and everybody started pointing and saying oh, look at the asset over there oh, and, nice. and then it, it came out around about the time the Bourne Ultimatum came out as well and right. it was a big yeah, yeah. thing with oh, you know, unleash the asset the sort asset, of thing yeah, yeah. so that just stuck and then the dart shirts were made and then the die was cast and you already had, always had that WWE style we've talked about this before that you were yeah. taking influence from that as well yeah I, I, I'd like to say something really and get it off my chest mm. throughout my career I never had the opportunity to do what I wanted I was always kept back by the darts regulation authority did you want to appear through the stage like a trapdoor and just appear on stage like i had loads of ideas t-shirt guns walk on th- come up from the stage as opposed yeah. to walk on yeah, yeah. i wanted to do things differently and yes i pushed the envelope and the line of conduct a little bit with some um <laughs> profanity and things the like bad that. boy of darts but i was someone who turned pages i'm someone who got people watching whether you like me or not that's exactly what we've got with Gerwin price at the minute it's just yeah. it's, it's fabulous to have someone who is a little bit polarised yeah. just to throw a little bit of Kay and Pepper in the mix I love the idea of watching you just come in on like Jax DeVille <laughs> or, or if WWE star Shawn Michaels the heartbreak kid just tripwire in god can you imagine that would I love that well, there's still time Nico there's come, still time. I come down with a nosebleed <laughs> <laughs> well it's great to see you man uh, enjoy yourself follow uh, Nico on Twitter we'll push out his handle uh, of course as we plug uh, the episode at the NC shows how you follow us Cracking stuff from Nico. Great to see him. Uh, don't forget me and the OG back Saturday morning. That pod drops with our daily fantasy picks. Speaking of which, get involved 
with our show tournament over on Paddy Power Fantasy. It's free to enter, free to enter. There's a big cash prize pool. Lots of you guys played last week, entered, won some cash. So get involved with that. Fantasy.paddy.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombs show. Fantasy.paddypower.com forward slash league forward slash Nat Coombs show. And get your daily fantasy starlings on with me and the OG. We're back on Monday to review all of Week 11's action with Nikki Bandini. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.